Hello and welcome everyone to MSUB's first podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to listen and I would like to apologize for the sound quality. We are waiting for our equipment to arrive and the sound will be much better after that. For the time being, we are just too excited to start and are here today to give you all a little taste of how the university and our students are responding to the pandemic for the kickoff of this podcast series. Before we begin, I want to let you all know about some events we have going on on campus in the next couple of weeks. Don't forget to socially distance and wear a mask. Saab is putting on Jackets, Java, and Jams on Tuesday, October 13th from 7 to 8 p.m. in the sub atrium. Free coffee will be provided by Stingers and tables will be set up to hang with friends and do homework while enjoying some Coffee House of Vibe music. Recreation Activities is putting on a cornhole tournament Thursday, October 15th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on the sub lawn. You'll have two-person teams and can sign up at the event. Saab is also putting on a night at the corn maze at Grandpa's Corn Maze from 6 to 10 p.m. on the 23rd of October. Free admission to MSUB students for either the regular corn maze or the haunted corn maze. There's a COVID town hall meeting Thursday, October 22nd from 3 to 4 p.m. All meetings are held through WebEx and you can find access to that on MSUB's website. These meetings are held every week and you can also submit your questions beforehand and they'll get answered during the meeting for you. Student Health Services is hosting a free flu shot clinic the third week of October. We don't have a date for that quite yet, but keep your ears open. The Northcutt Steel Gallery is showing an exhibition called Broad Spectrum from October 8th to December 13th, featuring art quilts from 21 different artists. Go on down to the LA building and check out some very talented work. today's episode, we have our reporter, Jordan Lahey, interviewing head track and field coach, Coach John Wool, and track and field athlete Taylor about how the pandemic is affecting the athletics program. We also have our reporter, Courtney Tanike, who will be talking to Mr. Dwight Welch today about how the pandemic has affected him as a professor. And I had a great conversation with Dave Norbell, MSUB's COVID emergency planner, and Darla Tyler McSherry, our Director of Student Health Services, regarding some questions from our students worried about how the university is responding to the pandemic. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, so if you guys would just do like some quick introductions, that'd be awesome. I can start here. Sure, I'm Dave Nordell. I'm the uh, COVID emergency planner for Montana State University Billings. And I'm Darla Tyler McSherry. I'm the Director of Student Health Services at MSU Billings. And in the COVID response, um, I'm the operations person. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys both for being here today. Um, okay, sweet. We have some answers here. So, uh, what is the university doing, first of all, to keep us safe in this time? I'll take a second. <laughs> um, well, we've got to quit. 
the health and the well-being and the safety of our students and our faculty and staff is top priority. Um, we have been very intentional from early on, from when all this kind of first came about in the spring, um, continuing to work throughout the summer. There's several of us um, all across campus who worked very hard on the back to the business plan. And for the for your readers, or for, you, for the um, for the listeners, um, you can see there's it's a very comprehensive report. It addresses not only cleaning practices, but um, things that we can do on a daily basis to um, protect the health and the well-being of ourselves and those around us. Um, it addresses components including social distancing and reducing capacity in the classrooms and the installation of hand sanitizers across campus. And um, now that we're, we're back on campus, another new layer to that is we're also really stressing the importance of staying home if you're sick whether you are a student or a faculty or a staff member. Um, also, students uh, were, have the opportunity to pick up a jacket safety kit, um, which includes a face mask, gloves, disinfectant spray, and hand sanitizer. If you didn't get one yet, you can go to the library or come over here to the Center for Engagement and get one. Um, I really just encourage people to check out that Back to Business plan. It's comprehensive. Um, uh, I know a, a big uh, topic where people are really interested is, you know, are, are we cleaning what we're supposed to be cleaning in frequency? And the answer is yes. Our facilities crew are following CDC uh, guidelines for cleaning high-touch surfaces daily. At the same time, we know that's a huge job, so we've also provided cleaning caddies um, that students and faculty and staff can use to clean an area before or after that they're done um, so that everyone pitches in and, and helps keep this, uh, keep the campus healthy and safe. Okay, and, and where do students find the Back to Business plan? That is found on our COVID-19 Central webpage. So people go to msubillings.edu. At the very top, you can see where a little a link that clicks um, to the COVID-19 Central page and it'll take you right to it. Awesome, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, so personally, I've noticed throughout classes that students aren't sanitizing um, before they sit down, which it should already be sanitized, um, and they're not sanitizing after they sit down. Um, should it be the instructor's responsibility to be reminding students or noticing if they don't clean up, should they um, sanitize after, or where does that kind of take place? Yeah, you know, that's, and we're hearing that question a lot from students. We know it's a big concern, and, and our answer is it's everyone's job. Um, I, I might not know um, the last time this service was cleaned, but I know the last time I washed my hands or the last time I used hand sanitizer. I could go grab the caddy and do some cleaning when I sit down, and same thing when I leave. So it's really, it's really a campus-wide effort. I agree. Okay, um, so how would the university deal with an outbreak? Um, so we're pretty fortunate because we've taken some steps early on to put us in a good situation. So when you say an outbreak, you're talking about positive cases and that can be how you handle those. Um, the keys to that are one, having space for quarantine and isolation. So if somebody's sick, right, we would put them in isolation. So there's a difference. If we say isolation, that means you're sick, you have a positive test. 
Or we can put you in quarantine, which means I may be sick, and if you are near me, you've contact, we've traced you, and you're a contact. We have to put you in quarantine right, through that time frame, the incubation time frame for the virus to make sure that you're not sick. If you do get sick during that time frame, then we move you to isolation until you're better, and then you come back. Well, we've internalized that process. So in the community, public health handles that. Public health has deputized our folks so that when we do get a positive test from them, we can work through that. So uh, we've accelerated what could be up to a two to three day notification process into a two to three hour process. So we handle that. We've set aside um, about 48 spaces on campus and we're hoping to expand that uh, for quarantine and isolation to work back and forth so that we get people that aren't feeling well out of the population and, uh, and then monitor them. And then on top of that, we have case managers. So somebody's checking on you once or twice a day to make sure everything's fine to, to include the care and feeding. So I think we're well positioned uh, to identify that. The other piece to that is, is having solid plans for you know, the onesie twosies or a pod type thing where there's quite a few people or a larger, a larger event. And uh, for the most part, we have plans for each of those. And then uh, the larger event stuff, you've seen some stuff nationally. So yeah, I think we're in a good place. Okay, that's really nice to hear. Um, so I have a question with that. I know that the university has a um, self-reporting COVID line on their website. So when the university sees that a student has self-reported, is it anonymous or is it? It's com it can't, I'll frame it, it's confidential. confidential. Um, there's a space uh, on that form that asks, do we have permission to share um, this information with relevant people, such as your hall director or your coach or um, things like that. And people have the option to say yes or they um, can't say no. If they say no, then it's kept to the smallest number of people possible, um, just so that the information um, for those who really need to know um, are alerted and we can get that person into the quarantine isolation process. Um, we can get areas that they've identified they've been in recently. We can get those areas cleaned. Um, so we really kind of close that loop um, on, a, on a person who did submit this form and get the give them the care that they need and also keeping our larger environment healthy and safe. Right, right. So um, then the university does take action, even if it is, uh, even if they say no, they don't want to share their information. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We need to follow up with them and just make sure that um, they're in contact with their healthcare mm -hmm. provider if, they're if they have questions, if they're not feeling well. We provide them with um, their phone numbers for both hospitals that are 24-7 that they've set up specifically for COVID response. We make sure that someone in, in their circle is checking on them. Um, so we, we do respect and protect their privacy, but we also make sure that you know we're just not saying, okay, see you later, thanks for filling out this form. We make sure that they're being taken care of and that they're um, working with their professors to stay up on top of their coursework. Right, that's really that's really good to hear. Um, I, I think a lot of students were are aware of the self-reporting line, um, but I don't think a lot of them really knew what happened after you did send a report. So that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, let's see. So I have how effective is contact tracing through right. the university? So contact tracing is a core element of managing any type of pandemic. So 
So contact tracing is just not the university, it's the whole globe, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just part of, when we find out that somebody has contracted the virus and the test is positive, it's mandatory that you reach out and find their close contact. So just so everybody understands the process, if you're sick, I say, where have you been over this amount of days? When did you start feeling symptoms? And who have you been within six feet or less, protected or unprotected, mask or not, for 15 minutes or longer? Those people are considered contacts. Those are who we're tracing. Those are the people that we call and say, you know, Dave's been diagnosed with COVID. He said that you guys were out at dinner for an hour and a half and you didn't have a mask on. You were, you know, at a small table. Um, and uh, you've been identified as a contact. And at that point in time here, that individual will be given, um, if they live on campus, we give them a room to quarantine or they would be put into quarantine for the 14 days. And like I said, then we check up on them. So as far as the effectiveness of it, it's, it's, actually, it's actually the method of maintaining spread. Right? Mm -hmm. So if we didn't do that, you would be sick, we wouldn't say anything to anybody, and then everybody else would get sick and then keep passing it. So the sooner we can contact, which I go back to my previous comment, comment is we've really squeezed that time down on the campus to a matter of hours so from the time we know somebody's sick we can get to their contacts in a matter of hours and put them in quarantine which slows the spread of anything and uh, and gets people out of the potential for infecting other people in the community or here awesome i yeah that's really also really good to hear i, I don't think a lot of students are aware of how much um, the university is putting into the contact tracing and, and if a student does get COVID, what the protocol is for that. So that is really nice to hear. Thank you guys. Um, so about testing and um, the university is not providing tests at this point, is that correct? So where can a student get tested? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a few options. Um, they have symptoms, they can go to the shrine. Uh, Riverstone Health is doing uh, testing there. Um, but there's they've kind of basically limited capacity each day. Mm -hmm. um, they can only run so many tests per day. So if a, a person is feeling symptomatic, that would be one option. Um, and that's usually in the mornings, Monday through Friday. So if a student is starting to feel not well at night or on the weekends, um, then they can um, uh, be call one of those lines, the numbers from the hospitals, and get information from them as far as next steps. I feel like I'm missing something there. So, um, testing is directed by public health. They do 175 tests a day because that's what the capacity is, that's what they can get run in the, in the 24 to 48 hours that we need to. Right now, the best we can do is symptomatic testing. So if you have symptoms, you test, right? For the university, I deal with, there's different varieties of testing. You can do asymptomatic testing where that's a free-for-all. You just wake up in the morning and you say, I wonder if I've got it or not, and you walk into a place and get tested. That's the easy part. The hard part is it's got to get to a lab, it's got to get tested, the results have to be given back, and those type of things. And right now the capacity for that is um, we are testing at the, right at the edge of our capacity, which mm -hmm. is 175 a day. So. If you're symptomatic, we want you to get tested. If your physician tells you to get tested, you need to go get tested. If you've been identified as a close contact and you're told to test, you need to test. Those are the three things. Will the university test in the future? When the logistics system, which is all the supplies and the equipment, the science, the laboratory, you have to have people to be able to do that, and the capacity, right? So 
just testing you asymptomatically or as a surveillance, right? Just checking is a really good thing to do if we can't get the test back in a timely manner. And so that's where we're at right now. Um, so it's not that the university doesn't want to test or they're not testing. It's it's we are part of Yellowstone County, which is part of the larger system, which is part of the state. And so we're offering the maximum amount of testing and identification that we can. And for the most part, it's working pretty well. So that's really good. Have have there been any reports of any false negatives or? Sure, and there's a national average. There's enough out there now that we know, and there's a national average that can be anywhere from one to three percent. Oh, okay. Uh, and that just goes with um, uh, the mediums and, and the testing. It's it's pretty standard to other other laboratory, you know, um, um, false positives or false negatives. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, um, so a big question that I, I actually had a lot of people interested in is: Are drinking fountains safe to drink from? Right. So what I did, I did. I actually made a phone call this morning because of this, because everybody's got a different stance on it, mm -hmm. and I put some CDC guidance in here, which I'm going to refer to. Okay, because this is where we kind of need to stay. So as long as you're cleaning and disinfecting the surfaces frequently, which we're you know we work with our facility staff for. Drinking fountains should be fine. Uh, you'll find that some institutions in the local community just want to do the bottle refill type of fountains and not the push button fountains and those type of things. The fountain should be treated like anything else, like a desktop or anything. So if you frequent it, it should probably be, be cleaned. Um, and we just need to, we just really need to pay attention to that. Water does not carry COVID. So if there's that correlation, no, that you know, we're fine. And, and the CDC goes into a big, talk about how water and water sources are not sources that transmit COVID. Mm -hmm. It's the touching and the putting your fingers and hands in your eyes and, and, uh, and those type of things. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, a water fountain needs to be cleaned where you'd have to use your hand to get the water out right. versus just the water coming out. Mm -hmm. So even if you touch a, con a, a surface possibly contaminated with COVID, you're not guaranteed to get it, right? You have to bring that into Correct. Your yeah, it face doesn't, it doesn't or your, your eyes. Yeah, it doesn't right. induct through right. your skin. So that's how we get sick. Mm -hmm. uh, and people need to kind of understand that. COVID is a virus like any other. Um, it's just something that the human body hasn't dealt with. So it's, it's you know, as a globe, we're kind of normalizing to it. But yes, and 90% and of that, and if you think about it, especially if you wear glasses like you do, if you think about it, 90% of it is it gets on your hands some way, which hand sanitizer and washing your hands, that's why it's a big part mm -hmm. of it. It gets on your hands and you touch your face. Usually your eyes. Your eyes are usually the, the transport for that. Um, and then obviously you wear a mask because you have breathing and droplets. Those kind of things are gonna happen, but yeah. Okay, I think that's really good to know. And I think a lot of students are probably also confused about how they can actually get COVID from coming in contact with a surface. So um, do not touch your face, guys. Um, so I've also been wondering, and I know a couple or a lot of other students have been, how the, is the university hiring more custodial staff? And I see here that you guys are hiring as we speak. So that's really nice to hear. Um, I know a lot of people have been concerned with um, not noticing really any extra people. It seems like there's less people here, mostly I'm sure because students haven't been coming back this semester, but um, 
it's nice to see that the the university is hiring some more custodians. Um, it's a really big job to handle, I'm sure. So uh, that's really nice to hear. Um, what else? So I have, um, what happens if an instructor gets sick? Mm -hmm. um, it, will the whole class be notified or is that another private situation where they have the uh, option to keep that yeah, to themselves? Yeah, um, that's a, a great question. And just um, as with students, we also encourage faculty and staff to test positive to submit that form. And um, it is voluntary. So, um, and you bring up a good point because there's a lot of questions, a lot of conversation about, well, if I do test positive, who finds out about it? And really that's a, a person's choice to share, not to share, but we do encourage that they do complete that form to help uh, mitigate that risk as David talked about. So if a faculty um, person does, the, I'll back up a step, in the back to business plan, there's language in there that we've planned for, you know, what happens when this, when this does arise. So faculty will have backup plans in place. Um, one of those uh, includes a teaching buddy who can fill in for them while they're gone. Some other options uh, is to um, have that instructor transition to an online while they're not able to be out in the general public setting again, um, or that there can be a substitute who can come in and fill in for them. Um, so we want to stress the import, um, that point to students that we have, number one, your health and safety is the top priority, and number two, we're working very hard and have plans in place ready to go um, for when that happens that you'll be able to continue your educational journey and not have that interrupted because you have faculty who are out sick. Okay, yeah, that's really nice. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like the students to know that you feel like is maybe being misunderstood or not not aware of, not made aware of? You know, one big thing that um, we're really pushing out is the importance of getting a flu shot. Um, and I know, I mean, I have never met one person in my entire life who says, I love to get a shot. You know, we all, nobody likes them. But especially in this year and, um, Dave and, and Dr. Tanjis, you know, they can approach it from more of a medical background, and I think what they say to lay people makes perfect sense in that you don't want to have COVID and flu at the same time, and you don't, as much as possible, we want to minimize both of those viruses in our community. So one way that we're responding to that is the university, uh, we've stopped charging for flu shots in the health service. It used to be $20. Now you just come in, you get your shot for free. In addition to that, we're setting up kind of this, mobilizing like this big flu shot clinic here on campus, and we're firming up those dates, but it looks like it's gonna be the uh, third week of October. Um, we're gonna have a clinic here one day at the university campus, and then another clinic out at City College the following day about a four hour block and we're gonna have food available and we're working so that you can get your flu shot and walk away with a $5 gift card to Stingers. So, ouch, I got a shot, but hey, I get some free lunch out of it. Um, and we're just really stressing the importance of, gosh, we're coming into cold and flu season as is and we now have this novel virus in our community. Um, let's let's minimize the health risk to people so that we don't have 
um, both of those viruses happening at the same time. So I, I just really encourage people to, to come get a flu shot. We're gonna, we've got, um, we're actually tapping into our um, Bozeman, MSU Bozeman nursing students who are taking their courses here on our campus. They're gonna be the ones who are giving shots um, with supervision from their instructors. Um, so it's a great way that a fellow student is helping protect the health and the well-being of, of another student. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. That sounds really fun. I will definitely be there getting my flu shot. <laughs> I would tell the students, don't let your guard down. I think that what I see walking around and moving around campus, that everybody were in a high rate of compliance with the, the basics, the mask wearing and those type of things. We can always do better. I think anybody can do better. But I think here we're doing a great job. But don't let your guard down, okay? We gotta get through break, we gotta get through spring, we gotta graduate, right? And that, that's the goal is to educate and graduate. And we'll just work through all of this stuff. <coughs> we have weekly town halls that are set up every Thursday at 3 p.m. Those are done by WebEx. And uh, <coughs> if you can't make it, you can watch it. And so watch it, there's a lot of good information on there week to week. Do include COVID rates in the community, and kind of like some challenges that we're facing so to keep people up to date. And we do that specifically for that. Plus you can share with your parents. <clears throat> Students need to call their parents. And they need to say, I listen to this podcast and here's all the things that are going on. We've had one parent that engaged us and we kind of told her all of this information. She felt much better about it, but I fear that the parent knew more about this than the student. So let your parents know, you know, um, on what's going on because I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge deal. Um, but again, I'm going to go back to it. I cannot stress enough. If anybody takes one thing away from this, do not let your guard down. Do not let your buddy's guard down and do not let the person next to you's guard down. Keep everybody's guard up and we'll be fine and we'll work through this. Is there going to be COVID on campus? Yes. Um, but we have ways to, to manage it, to educate through it, to survive through it, to keep everybody healthy and happy. So. Uh, but we want to keep it to a minimum. So right now is a time in our nation where we're going to, we have the potential to let our guard down. Don't let your guard down. Definitely. And then the sign there is, you know, that's a collective. Uh, I don't know if you want to use that or not. But, uh, yeah, I would love but, to. Uh, keep our doors open. That's the mm -hmm. whole goal of the incident command team here at MSUB is to keep the doors open and to make sure that uh, uh, we have access to in, you know, in classroom. Uh, education and it stays on time definitely thank you guys so much for all this great information i i definitely learned a lot and i know our students are going to really appreciate hearing this from a couple of professionals so can i just share one more thing yeah of course um i also thank you for letting us have mm -hmm. some time this is really important i really, really appreciate it I want to stress to students, if you have questions um, about whether it's COVID or just your general health questions, something new for us this fall in the health service is now you can have a consultation with a nurse or um, our provider. You can do that over the phone and you can also do it over WebEx. Um, so whereas before you'd, you'd have to come in and ask the question, this makes it so easy now, and we have a great team, and all of us in student health are really passionate about college health. I mean, that's, that's what we live mm -hmm. to do. Um, so fear and, anx and, and, and anxiety never helps the situation. So give us a call. Let us know what questions, what concerns that you have. 
let us help address those concerns and get you into a place where you have more knowledge and if you need to take some different steps or or come in, um, we're here to help. Yeah, definitely take advantage of all the great resources we have here on campus. Um, And thank you guys so much for being here today uh, and telling us all what we need to hear. First off, can you start by telling everyone your name, what you teach, and what group you advise? Oh, sure. So my name is Dwight Welch. I teach uh, in the Philosophy and Religion Department at MSU Billings. And I'm the advisor for United Camps Ministry out at MSU Billings and the Autism Club. All right. Now, out of your class and your groups, which one's your favorite to do and why? The, uh, which, uh, uh, which class? Out of your class and your groups. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you that the most energy is behind out, and it's behind the autism club, and uh, so that's been really exciting to be a part of, just because of that. You know, folks, uh, students are really invested in in the in those programs, working and just enjoying it. Uh, you know, I teach ethics, and um, the students are doing great, and they're sticking with it, but. I can imagine it's stressful. I don't think they have quite the same experience (laughs) as the students in their groups who want to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so this episode is all about coronavirus. So how does the coronavirus affect your teaching? Well, I have a classroom lecture. uh, The the room has about 130 or so seats, and I have about 30-some students. So, (laughs) yeah. So... What it does is they literally measure the chairs six feet apart. The students were given, they picked the chair they were going to sit in, and then that's forever their chair that semester. So that if, um, partly to maintain six feet distancing, but also because we always know where that person's at. So for instance, if a student does get affected by coronavirus, we kind of know who their neighbors were and who they were connected, you know, who they may have possibly interacted with. So it helps with tracing as well. Uh, for some professors who have uh, smaller rooms, they have to divide the class up so that they always maintain that six feet. So I think every class at MSUB, the goal is to maintain the six feet. I was just lucky that they gave me a really big classroom so I don't have to divide my class up. The only other thing that they did ask is, so when a student obviously is affected by uh, coronavirus, I believe the class shuts down for a period of time, so at least through that process of them uh, uh, healing and and things like that. Also, just to make sure that nobody else was infected and then comes back to campus. Um, but that hasn't happened. Um, it's changed my attendance policy because I used to have a kind of a strict one. <laughs> it's out the door. I'm like, if you feel the tiniest scratch, stay home. You know. So I put all my lectures online. So hypothetically, you, you never have to show up to class and you can pass the class. So <laughs> it's not a bad deal, you know. That, I mean, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so we do that. And then the other thing we did was they gave, gave me, uh, and I think they gave all the structures like sanitation supplies so that you can wipe down any chairs, tables, any surfaces that were touched. Because you got to presume it's possible that, you know, within the hour, some other class might be used in that classroom. So. Ideally, when you walk into a classroom, it should have been sanitized before you walk in. And uh, that's the same as with the clubs. 
I'm 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 99% able to do it, and sometimes like I I don't think I did the last out meeting because I I left while we were meeting, but but normally you know at the end of the meeting we wipe yeah, everything. Yeah, we didn't eat it because we left like 15 minutes before dinner was over, so we were like rushing. Right, to I totally get it. We were all rushing to dinner. <laughs> now my guess is it was probably okay because it, it usually, even though ideal, you know, it's possible that a, a virus can stay. Over a service for so many days, usually within I think it's like 24, 48 hours, most services are going to be fine. Uh, so Friday evening, you probably weren't affecting anybody, but that's ideally what you want and what I do try to do when I'm with student groups as well. And then the last thing was they they developed like a buddy system. So uh, there's another professor in the philosophy department. If she gets coronavirus, I've agreed to take on her class. And if I get coronavirus, she's agreed to take out my class. That's so handy. Yeah, so the class doesn't have to stop because the instructor is affected either way. The class continues. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so how do you feel about the virus? Oh, uh, you know, I, I get torn, you know, I, I kind of, on the one hand, I'm like really, really jealous of most countries because they just did a lot better than we did. They <laughs> did, yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, I think we're the outlier. I have family in Scandinavia I can't visit because I can't leave the country, basically. Well, I mean, their country's also closed down before ours did. Yes. Ours is the last one to close. We're like, ours, it's fine. And everyone's like, close. Close. It's time to close the whole shebang. No. And, but I noticed like, uh, in Canada, they where they've had very few deaths, so they've done really well. But they've kind of done it by keeping the closure ongoing. Mm -hmm. And so in a place like Canada, most of the universities are all online. And I'm kind of torn because I'm like, I really like being in person. It's really hard to substitute being in person for online. But with that, there have been just more, especially in some college towns. I think MSU Billings is a bit better off because you know, we don't have the fraternities and sororities and some of the social contexts where the virus can spread, but campuses have been kind of locuses for infection. <laughs> and so, you know, I totally get why Canada did that and why that would make it safer. So I, I, the only thing I get frustrated by also is that, you know, things are like politicized. Like, it shouldn't be political to wear a mask. I'm not making a statement. I just don't want yeah. to make somebody sick and I don't want to be sick. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's against my political beliefs. It's like, but it's not political. Do you want to die or not? Like... Yeah, it's a health issue, right? It's a basic health 101, yeah. I, I, I haven't figured that out. I mean, the only political thing I have is I got, I got the yellow jacket on my... He gave this to us, so that was a nice Oh, did they? Yeah, they, yeah, they gave us the, we gave us plain white ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, get, we get a yellow jacket on ours. <laughs> so, uh, so, and the hope is... I mean, in some ways that, you know, the, you know... We'll see what next year brings, but hopefully the depoliticization would be great so that we can be serious about taking every step we need to to stop or limit the spread that we're, you know, of the virus, so. All right, and you mentioned you can't really, like, substitute in-person teaching. So do you prefer in-person or would you rather be online? Oh, totally in-person. <laughs> totally okay. in-person. Well, because some people are like, well, I'd rather do it online, but I'll just go it was nice. Uh, there were elements in the spring where it was like, the first month was like, oh, I can work from home. That's pretty nice, you know. Yeah. And I get to see my husband and I get to uh, hang out with my cats. And 
But after a month, I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, I need a break. <laughs> I need a break. I need to be on campus. I need to see people. So, yeah, that's kind of where my desire and public health may not always align, but I like being, being on the campus. Yeah. Okay. And when do you think life would return to, 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 ah, life would return to normal? Or do you think it'll always be somewhat of this way? Uh... I, I really want it to return to normal. I, like, I, my guess is it won't fully. So my understanding, I was talking to the Episcopal Bishop of Montana, and before she was the bishop, she was an, I can't say this, an epidemiologist. So basically she, she was a scientist that worked on viruses okay. before she became a bishop. And she was like saying, well, look, you know, think of it like the flu, uh, flu shot. You know, it's not like the uh, measles shot. So a measles shot, you get it, you're not going to get measles. That's just pretty much guaranteed. If you have the vaccine, no measles. And so, so many of these diseases just are wiped, we're wiped out, unless you don't get the vaccine, in which case they get resurgence. But the flu shots that you get reduce the risk, doesn't eliminate it. It might cut it down by like about 50% or something. So it's not like See, the same. I don't like flu shot. I get more sick with the flu shot than I do with the flu itself. Yeah. Well, with that's the flu, it's like three days. With the flu shot, it's like three weeks. Just lingering. And I'm just like, no. No, I, yeah, I always worry about that kind of stuff. Well, that, and, and she said, if we get a coronavirus uh, shot, which we should be able to get, it sounds like maybe by the beginning of the year or early next year. Okay. And if we get that shot, it will significantly reduce the chances, but it will not eliminate it, which means you probably some things you'll still have to just do. It'll start, probably still be a good idea to wear masks next year. It will still be a good idea. But the sanitation thing is the thing that's the toughest, you know. And I miss things like concerts and you know being in a big group of yeah, folks. Yeah, everyone misses concerts and. I'd love to be able to figure out how you get back to that. But yeah, I think with the reduction. And, and the only other thing is if treatments get better and better and better uh, so that people don't have to be near death getting the virus, then you know you might say, well, unless you're at risk, you, you can go out and do stuff. But my guess, like masks might be here to stay. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I hate wearing masks. I'm going to throw them all away and go on with Exactly. Like, I just want them to be done. No, I, yeah, I mean, that is it hurts social, I mean, you know, to not be able to gather in a big way. Yeah. Hurts. Uh, I mean, music and concerts and theaters and plays and bands and choirs and of course I work at with churches as well so churches are very affected by if they can gather how they can gather you know can you touch certain objects without spreading the virus that kind of stuff so so getting a handle on that would be great but yeah it doesn't sound like the the, the vaccine would be foolproof it would just make it better okay yeah Okay. And is there anything else you want to tell the MSUB students while you're here? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for the school. For the school. Um, <laughs> well, like the the one of the so there's been a couple of positives. Most mostly COVID has sucked, right? It's just been bad, terrible actually. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah. Know? 
So there's not really a lot of upsides, but I hope there's a few upsides. I mean, one is like my change in attendance. I hope that like student mental health and well-being stays prioritized, that we don't forget this. You know, the students have families to take care of, that they've got the health concerns, that right now that's been put front and center uh, because of the virus. But if the virus gets kind of under control, I hope the university doesn't forget that and, you know, go back to, uh, you know, like really, uh, I th you know, there, there were some things where, you know, I, we do our meetings on Zoom and as much as people are tired of Zoom, it's been nice because I've, you know, I've been to like meetings all over the world because of Zoom. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, you can meet with everyone. Exactly. So uh, maybe we'll reduce some of those long trips to go to meetings. That would be nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, spend more time with the ones we love and, in my case, the cats as well. You <laughs> know? Um, but I suppose in all this is to take care of your health first and the grades and everything else will follow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and my only concern is it, it takes a level of, uh, you will not fall into community at MSUB in the age of COVID. So if you're looking for community, you've got to go out there and figure out a way to do it and safely L seek it out because the opportunities won't just show up. Uh, so you have to be more determined on making those connections in the age of COVID. So. We have uh, the head coach, head track and field coach, Coach John, and Taylor, and Taylor, who is, who is a track and field athlete. So, Taylor, can you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. So, I am currently in my fifth year here at MSUB. I've been on the track team now for four years. I'm originally from Shepherd, Montana, and I'm completing my Bachelor's of Science in Liberal Studies. And Coach John? Hi, I'm John Walt. So this is my sixth year here at MSUB, third year as uh, head coach, and or just finished third year of head coach and going on fourth. And originally from Ankeny, Iowa, and been coaching for the last like eight years. Oh, oh, oh! So you've been coaching for eight years, huh? Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. So, so Taylor, can you can you please describe your, your day schedule? Of being a student athlete? Yeah, so typically when it's not COVID, uh, we practice five days a week and lift three days. Um, right now, though, I'm going to classes Monday through Thursday. I have a pretty tight schedule on Mondays and Wednesdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., so that's a little rough, but I'm getting my lifting in on my own on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And can you please tell us about your day schedule, Coach? Yeah. So my day, you know, typically I'll get started, you know, it's a little different with COVID, um, get started about eight o'clock in the morning and then usually kind of prepare and, you know, right now we're kind of put the pause button on practice, but we'd be in preseason mode practicing Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, which has been different um, because we've got restrictions on how many people can be in the weight room together. So we've been doing different workouts outside where we can socially distance. Um, and so far, workouts have been going well. And um, it's been really fun to kind of have everybody back on campus and see everybody getting along and working hard. Oh, man, that sounds like a busy schedule, huh? Yeah. And, and Taylor, what is, what is your favorite, favorite part of attending MSUB? 
I would honestly have to say the bonds that I've created with my teammates over the years, like the throwers groups especially, has been super close. And this year, again, it's been a little bit different, but hopefully we can get to know each other a little bit better and continue to have that tradition. Oh, oh, that sounds fun. All right, Coach John, what's your favorite part about working at MSUB? Um, kind of like Taylor said, it's really the people that makes being at MSUB so great. Um, it's, you know, just getting to know people on campus, whether they're student athletes or other coaches or other, you know, staff and faculty, um, you know, that's really, it's the people that make MSUB a really fun place to work. Oh yeah, I would, I would have to say the people, people at MSUB made it, made it really, really easy to tra transition, especially being a, being a former junior college transfer who attended, attended Highland Community College out in Kansas for, for a year and a half, then after that, once the fall semester ended then having to quickly transition to Central Arizona College where where I did like a track, track season over there too for about my entire semester then once my track season ended I basically had to step down and and try to go back on the recruiting trail yeah so so how so Taylor how what was your reaction once you once you learned that COVID, COVID had to cancel after um, last year's track season I would have to say like it was kind of devastating we had been working super hard last season and to come off of indoor you get so excited to go out and compete in outdoor and my favorite event is hammer so that was a little bit hard to swallow that we didn't get to compete but we're back this year and hopefully we get to finish it off and how did you learn learn about about once once the season was, was canceled so we actually got um, an email sent to us from our coach uh, they were just trying to keep us in the loop as much as they knew um, it was hard for them too to keep up on it, but overall they just kept emailing us and letting us know everything as soon as they found out. So. Ooh. And Coach, how, so how, what was your reaction to once the season was over? Uh, well, kind of shocked because I just it came so quickly. Like we, you know, had a really good indoor season. The team chemistry had been getting better. It seemed like with every week through the indoor season. Um, you know, there were tons every week. We were still having tons of season bests. So we were like kind of on a high, ready to go into the outdoor season. And I think we were in our first week of practicing for outdoor after spring break when it was like, oh, like there's going to be like social distancing stuff we need to do. And then it was like, oh, it sounds like they're going to, you know, cancel classes. And then it's like they're going to, postpone the season or suspend the season and then they canceled it and it just kind of all happened in you know about seven days and it was just kind of took a while to kind of come to terms with all that um so kind of shocked and you know really disappointed because we missed out on you know a lot of hope you know hopefully it would have been really good marks but you know we're excited that we're back on campus kind of making baby steps back towards uh, what's kind of going to be normal for us and you know hopefully being able to compete um, if not this winter for indoor track but for sure in outdoor track next spring oh yeah for sure as i'm sure i know i know back back in, back home once 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 COVID hit, it, it hit especially hard it, it hit especially hard and and it was tough especially for like high school athletes because I because I had, I had like a I had like a bunch of various friends who were who were also competing in track as well over at different over in high school and college where where as soon as like like once it got canceled 
there's like a shockwave to everybody where everybody's like scrambling how how are they gonna get home how are they do classes and once classes had switched from in class to now online so i don't have internet access to where like made it like twice as hard to get their assignments complete as well so so taylor how is handling COVID now been way different than the first time i would say it's getting a little bit easier at first it was obviously hard for everyone nobody knew how to do things that we were used to doing um wearing masks and social distancing as a whole is really hard to get used to when you're not used to it. And I think that it's getting a lot easier now. Um, I still forget my mask in my car and I gotta go back and get it everywhere I go. But uh, it's, it's getting easier overall. And coach? Yeah, it's, it's been, um, yeah, it's, I'm definitely used to wearing a mask a lot more now than I was, you know, back in June and July. Um, just because it's almost become almost like second nature, like, oh, if we're going out to a grocery shop or whatever, like, gotta have my mask. Um, and like, yeah, like Taylor said, the social distancing part is like, holy cow, like six feet from somebody else is a lot further than you actually think, because, you know, I never thought of myself as a close talker, but apparently I am. Oh. And what, and what, Taylor, what would you say like the hardest adjustment has been since COVID? I would just say getting used to new routines. Um, it's it's hard when you get into the habit of convenience for things and not being able to lift with my teammates and only being allowed to have so many people in classrooms. That's all very difficult. Um, I would say that was that's been the hardest part, um, and it's just something that we all have to get used to because it might be the new normal for a while. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure it is. And coach, what what has been the hardest adjustment for you been? Um, yeah, like for us, I think the fall, the hardest thing to kind of adjust to was like, okay, we went in kind of planning like, okay, we've got 3.30 to 5.30 in the weight room on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Like that's when all the fall track athletes are going to work. And Coach Willardson and I had like figured out, okay, we're going to have these different groups. And then to find out, okay, so you got... 40 plus athletes that are in this group that need to lift three times a week, but you can only have eight people in the weight room at a time, um, at an hour at a time. So that like cut it down from, okay, well that means everybody gets to lift one time a week. Well, what do we do on the other days? So it's just been kind of, um, kind of pivoting and kind of rolling with what we're given and trying to make the most of it, which, you know, fortunately, you know, most of our track and field athletes and coaches, like, we're kind of used to, you know, having to roll with it because, you know, some days it's really crappy outside. Well, what are we going to do for practice? We've got to, you know, come up with something else that we can do. So um, it's just been kind of a little bit different kind of um, obstacle that we face with COVID. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. It has been the hard, hardest adjustment, especially, especially when we got, like, a huge team like track track athletes are like 40 plus athletes to where where we all need to work together as well as build that team chemistry as as i'm sure i'm sure we are aware track season is like a long season that's training from like september all the way to like potentially the end of may so it's not it's not like like your typical sports like football where where you have training from like june all the way to like november potentially december if you make the playoffs or a bowl game whatever bowl game and such and Taylor, how, would you, how have you been staying clean and healthy throughout COVID? 
I would say a lot of just the social distancing, hand sanitizer, washing our hands, those are things that like you don't really realize that we don't do that often until you're forced to and everybody else is. And I mean, I keep hand sanitizer in my car. I have my mask with me at all times. It's just, it's getting used to it. But I feel like those are things that I never paid attention to before. I, I'm not somebody who uses hand sanitizer five times a day. And now I do. It's just something that you got to get used to to stay clean and keep everybody safe. Oh, yeah. And coach. Um, you know, that was kind of one of the, you know, you said clean and healthy. That was kind of one of the nice things about, you know, sheltering in place and stuff this last spring and early summer was, you know, I was, I had time. I started running every day. Um, got used to washing my hands a lot. Um, and, you know, just kind of doing, you know, the healthy practices. I'd get really good at like coming up with lists for the grocery store because I'd only go, you know, every two to three weeks um, and kind of just trying to like minimize, you know, public contacts and all that stuff. So now, that we're able to kind of be a little bit more out and about. It's been nice to kind of like not necessarily have to like, you know, limit like how many times you go to the grocery store and stuff like that. Um, but we still, you know, are trying to, you know, keep it to, you know, every one to two weeks we go. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And coach, coach, what has, has been the effects of recruiting due to COVID? Um, well, I don't know. Like, it's changed it for sure, um, but kind of not in ways that, like, I would have thought. Um, like, we've got, you know, still have, you know, I'm getting contacted from kids that are, like, a long ways away from us, which I would expect to, like, you know, to be hearing from more local kids. Um, so, like, it's been kind of interesting to see how like kids are kind of exploring outside of what they would normally consider um i don't know if it's just because they have more time on their hands or what um but then like the other like big thing is like normally we'd be able to you know say hey come down to campus and you can do a visit well like all spring and early summer like we couldn't do campus visits so that was kind of difficult um but kind of the nice thing now is you know with um, admissions and stuff they've done a really good job of like making a virtual tour um, so we can share that with you know those kids that are now contacting us from further away that might not be able to easily visit well they can still kind of explore and get to know campus without actually having to come here so I think there have been you know a few positives that have kind of helped us with our recruiting kind of along the way oh yeah for sure for sure for sure and and Taylor how has, has, has your change, change of feelings, feelings affect, affect the cancellation? Has your feelings changed change since the cancellation of sports? I would say it's gotten, I've come to accept it a little bit more. Um, there's nothing anybody can do at this point. At first, I was really, I was mad. I was angry that we weren't able to compete. And I feel for those that graduated and don't get to finish those seasons. Um, but overall, I think that I was fortunate and I'm grateful that I do get one more outdoor season. Um, and I think that I've grown to just accept it and take it for the best and look at it as a positive that we get that much more time to prepare before we compete. 
Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially in having an extra season to, to yes, compete absolutely. for like one last one last time. Yeah. And coach has has the finish changed changed since March due to COVID. Um, feeling changed about what? Like has has your feeling finish changed about decision the about decision of having sports been cancelled? Um, well, like what I'm, I think, you know, back then, you know, it was definitely kind of something we needed to do. Um, but now like I'm encouraged where, um, you know, it seems like we're kind of slowly making baby steps back towards, um, you know, practice and then hopefully into competing and it's probably not going to look exactly like we want it to look right away. Um, but, you know, we're trying to be creative and safe, as safe as possible um, so that way we can kind of get, you know, at least a compromise in something that we want to have, which is to get back to competing. Um, and I think our student athletes have done a really good job kind of recognizing that, you know, what they do, you know, outside of practice and, you know, team activities really does have, you know, we always say that, it has an effect on the team, but like now, like it literally, you know, we have like a way we can see that it does have an effect on what's going on with our team and even the other teams on our campus and then MSUB as a whole. So um, it's, you know, what we've got to work with. And I think, you know, like Taylor said, we're, you know, trying to make the best of it. All right, def definitely, and, and Taylor, has there been any positives due to COVID? Yeah, I would say first and foremost that it made everybody stop and slow down and really appreciate the things, the family and friends they have around them and the things that we typically take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, like Coach was saying earlier, going to the grocery store became a task and we used to just look at it as, hey, I, I need to go grab milk or, you know, we, we tend to speed up and try to go through life a little bit too quick sometimes and I think if one thing came out of this, absolutely, it was it slowed everyone down a little bit, and made everybody appreciate what was around them. Oh yeah, for sure. And coach, any positives due to COVID? Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I said, you know, with recruiting and stuff, like there's the whole, you know, virtual tour. But then, like the other positive, I've talked with a couple of professors on campus. They've gotten used to this whole like teaching online, um, and I'm kind of looking ahead to when we do get back to competing. Well. Now, hopefully that doesn't, you know, we don't miss a ton of days of class for meets, but we do occasionally. And now I'm kind of hopeful that we're not going to miss as much um, because our students are going to be able to stay caught up either by watching the lecture video or having whatever activity they're supposed to do in class kind of in an online version. Um, but then, yeah, like Taylor said, you know, just kind of slowing down a little bit for me, like I spent a lot of time you know, kind of slowly getting back in shape and running a little bit um, and kind of got, you know, good kind of healthy routines established, you know, through the spring and the summer um, that I think, you know, we're able to kind of continue to, you know, have going forward as we kind of get back to what we see as usual. Oh yeah, definitely. And I was, I would say some of the positive, one of the positive, one of the main positives that due to COVID was I was actually able to spend more time time with my with my family as well as as typically as as a student athlete I was always been busy from like fresh in the morning all the way to late at night due to like track and also did work study too as well. 
in addition trying to focus on my class classes as well and also trying to like make make time to spend 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 with my friend, friends and teammates to help build that chemistry so that's one thing I've learned that was like team chemistry team chemistry is like one of the most important things as well especially having like a long long season as long as track and now and coach what's your favorite final record oh yeah so I do have a few records I think I'm up to like getting close to like 1800 in my office so I don't know if I can pick one favorite but um right now I'm kind of into like Shooter Jennings um Waylon Jennings obviously his dad um and then I just scored a bunch of uh Dick Clark top 30 hit recordings that were like radio for radio broadcasts, I've got a bunch of those from like the early 80s I've been listening to. And those are kind of fun little time capsules to listen to um, and kind of, you know, connect like what was popular like 30 or 40 years ago. So very cool. Oh, and and Taylor, if you if you had a hood that showed three, three stats about any person you looked at, what are the three stats you, you wanted to show? I would have to say I'd want a lie detector, a happiness meter, and a personality one. And what, and what, why is, why is like happiness meter important? I think that like, I like to surround myself with positive energy and I think that being able to just tell right off the bat if they've got good vibes would be helpful. Oh yeah, definitely. And co coach, if you had, if you had a hood that showed three stats about any person you looked at, well, what were, what would the three stats were? what you wanted to show um well kind of looking at it as a track coach like really what you know i look for and you know athletes and stuff is like people that want to you know if i can tell if they work hard or not um whether that's you know in you know their sport or in the classroom um and just kind of are able to you know tell how well people are able to do stuff on their own um like Taylor's happiness and that sounds really nice to know too is you know if you're gonna be like an encouraging teammate and stuff like that that's really good to know as well oh that, oh man and uh, I know for mine for mine our, our show number one is honesty the honesty level are they good are they being truthful or are they are they lying number two I would say like happiness as I would say like happiness brings like good vibes and you can tell like whether that's a good person or not and and lastly I would say Say what kind of character they are. Like, are they are they someone are they someone that gets into lot of Are they someone that's good? Are they someone that's bad? Or someone that's like extremely smart? And and Taylor, what 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 animal would be the cutest if scaled down to a cat size? Oh, a giraffe, one hundred percent. Would that not be the cutest thing you've ever seen? Mm, <laughs> He's so know. cute. Oh, I guess yeah, probably. <laughs> Down to the size of a cat? Yeah, like any animal. Animal you could like scale down to the size of a cat. What would be the cutest? I don't know. I would, I gotta go like hippopotamus or oh, something like that. Oh, that would be too. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and for mine, I, I would say, say a buffalo. Buffalo scale down size to a cat would be like the cutest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Taylor, do you have any final, final thoughts? I uh, know, I'm just excited. Um... For this track season and i hope everybody out there stays safe continues the social distance so we can all move past this and uh thanks for having us and coach do you have any final thoughts yeah well i'm just glad that you know we're now 
almost five, tomorrow will be five weeks into the school year. Um, we're still having class. Um, and you know, it's not necessarily what anybody had planned for the fall, but we're still here um, doing our best to make it all work. And, and this, this, this concludes the first episode episode of the Retort Podcast. I would like to thank Taylor, Taylor and, and thank Coach John for coming, coming and do, do this interview as well. Thanks for having us. Thank you.